So let's begin the reading of God's word at Mark chapter 15 and verse 42. This is the holy word of God. It was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph brought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Josie, saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they may go to, might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And we'll end our reading of God's word there this morning. May God bless it to our lives. Well, friends, for a Christian, the most precious stone in the world is not an emerald, ruby, or diamond. The most precious stone in the world is the one that was rolled away from the empty tomb of our risen Lord Jesus. You know, in Jerusalem today, if you were to visit, you can go and uh, visit the shrine of the Holy Sepulchre. A podium holds a glass case, supposedly containing a piece of the stone that was used to seal the tomb of Jesus. Local authorities had to enclose it in glass because superstitious pilgrims kept chipping off chunks to take home with them. But the stone, if it even is that stone, the stone itself is worthless. The value is in what the rolled away stone allowed the disciples, to discover. We are told that after the crucifixion of Jesus, that Joseph of Arimathea, 
asked for the dead body of Jesus and had wrapped it in a linen cloth and placed it in a tomb cut into rock, a tomb in which no one had ever yet been laid. And then a stone was rolled into place to cover the entrance to that tomb. The Jewish historian Alfred Edersheim said the entrance to sepulchers, tombs, were often guarded by a large stone or by some kind of door. Serve several purposes to keep out animals or robbers and to keep in the odor, if you remember the story of Lazarus. All four Gospels in the New Testament mention the stone that sealed the tomb of Jesus, but it is only in Mark's account that we read about the anxious thoughts early that first Lord's Day morning, the anxious thoughts and the question of the woman, women on their way to the tomb. Mark 16, verse 3. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb? The end of verse 4, their concern is understandable. When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, the Greek says, literally, it was an exceedingly mega stone. More elaborate tombs, historians tell us, had carved stones and slots or grooves into which the stone fit. And often there was an angle so that that stone could roll into place. It explains why Joseph and perhaps there were servants helping him could more easily put the stone into place than it ever could be removed. Scholars tell us that for a small tomb, often 20 men would be needed to roll a stone into place. Women would need help. Even a usual Roman guard of 16 soldiers would have been too little. But Mark tells us, when they approached, they looked up. The word means to to lift your eyes, and we wonder, had their eyes been downcast, as downcast as their hearts were? But they looked up. When they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. The stone had been rolled away. You know, friends, in a Bible filled with the best questions ever asked in human history, here at the resurrection of Jesus, we have a question. Who will roll the stone away? Who will roll the stone away? We can think of that question in a very general way as it comes to us here. Uh, I appreciated the comment of J.C. Ryle as he uh, commented on this passage. He pointed out that there's such a helpful principle from this particular example in Scripture. And he said the difficulties which Christians fear will sometimes disappear as they approach them. Who will roll the stone away? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. 
You know, friends, so often we can be our own worst enemies in life. Our thoughts and our fears of the future, or we seem to think will happen in the future or won't happen in the future, weigh down our hearts and can steal our joy and paralyze our efforts. And so often, and this is Ryle's point, so often what we have conjured up in our imaginations, the questions we ask, the fears that we face never come to pass. It's not always the case, of course, but often it is. And it stands as a reminder to remember what Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Listen to Ryle as he applies it. A large portion of a saint's anxieties arise from things which never really happen. We carry mentally tomorrow's troubles on top of today's. And often, very often, we find at the end that our doubts and alarms were groundless and that the thing we dreaded most never came to pass. Let us pray for more practical faith. Let us believe that in the path of duty to God, in a path of duty, God will never entirely forsake us. Let us go forward boldly, and we shall often find that the lions along the way are chained, reference to Pilgrim's Progress, and that the seeming hedge of thorns is only a shadow. And often that is the case, isn't it? But of course, there's more in this anxious question and in the stone being rolled away than a general reminder not to worry. The rolled away stone was God's way of declaring a glorious, amazing event. The women were concerned about Jesus. They still wanted to show love to him, even in his death, somehow to show their love for him. It is the body of Jesus that they wanted to anoint. But when they arrived early that Sunday morning, one thing after another pointed to the astounding reality. He is risen. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Crucified, dead, and buried, and on the third day he rose again. It's good to go back and just hear the account again and listen to the details again because so many people increasingly in our day are ignorant of the basic facts of the Christian faith and of the Bible. I heard just this past week someone asking some young children, what is Easter? And the only responses had to do with chocolate and eggs. Do you know who Jesus, do you know the name Jesus? What's that? Is the response. Beloved, here is the greatest news ever proclaimed in human history. Are we too sophisticated? Are we beyond it to go back again and be reminded and refreshed? Or maybe for some, who knows, hearing for the very first time this morning, He is risen. The tomb is empty. The stone was rolled away. Matthew tells us that God sent an angel to roll it away. At this grave, God had been at work. 
One commentator suggests that we should see in this angelic work a declaration from heaven itself that the grave had no just hold in the court of God on the one who said it is finished. And from that day on and forever, that rolled away stone will be remembered as the first sign that Jesus is alive, never again to die. And that as a believer, as a Christian, I can know my Redeemer lives and that Jesus is the one who has conquered sin and death and the grave. You know, in the greatest sense of things, the question that those women asked that morning about a real rock over Jesus' own tomb is the question that every generation of human history has cried out in one way or another. As we all face death in the grave, as we wonder along with Job of old, if a man dies, will he live again? As we see our own helplessness in the face of the last great enemy, death, humanity has cried out, who will roll the stone away? This is a world of death and dying. Someone once said, the earth is more full of graves than of houses. Is there any hope for a death-plagued humanity? Charles Spurgeon captured the depth of the question of the women. Who shall roll away the stone for us? Said Spurgeon, that question, that question gathers up the mournful inquiry of the whole universe. Those women put into language the great sigh of universal humanity. Who shall roll away the stone? Who will conquer death, the last great enemy? You know, so often and increasingly when I, I read about the accomplishments of this person or that person and, and, and their great success here and their their great wealth there, I just come back to the question, but you're going to die. But you're going to die. This morning is a beautiful Sunday morning. Death may be the last thing on your mind this morning. And of course, we, we don't deny, we shouldn't deny or forget the joys and the blessings that we have, even in a fallen world. And your heart may have been just meditating on those blessings of God uh, in this world, in your life this morning. But for all of us, life is a breath. And some of you this morning can't help but think of the grave. For some whom we know, the tears that are mourning the death of a loved one are not yet dry. Others feel in their own bodies that the axe is already laid at the root of the tree. But all of us should remember that no one knows the day or the hour. It is appointed unto man once to die, the Bible says. Death is the penalty for 
Man's rebellion and the sin of man against the holy God. Therefore, just as through one man, Adam's sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. You see, just like Joseph of Arimathea, who could put that stone into place, humanity in Adam was able to bring death on himself, but helpless to remove the curse himself. Psalm 49 that we sang this morning. The women couldn't roll the stone away. You see, friends, there is a large stone, a heavy stone, a crushing stone, a stone sealed with the authority, not of some Roman official, but with the seal of the justice of a holy God, that the soul that sins shall die. One writer said, in man's path of happiness lies a huge rock which completely blocks the road, death. Who shall remove the barrier? Philosophy has attempted the task, but has miserably failed. Plato, Socrates, Aristotle all died and were buried and are buried still. And we could think in the same way about any man-made religion. Useless and helpless. Maybe it can help someone quit smoking or be a better neighbor. But what about death? The tomb of Buddha is still occupied. The tomb of Muhammad is occupied. The world of man-made religion shouts out the question, who will roll the stone away? But in the valley of the shadow of death, they only hear back the helpless echo of the question, who? 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 And in their religion, they have no answer. Is there hope? Can there be life and joy and blessing? Who will roll the stone away? Is there hope for yourself? Is there hope of ever seeing our loved ones again? Who can roll away the stone? But you see, this book was written and Mark wrote to give the glorious answer to that question. There is hope. The stone rolled away in Mark 16 points to the answer. Who is able to roll away the stone of the Uh, the curse of death from the tomb of humanity, the answer is Jesus Christ. He is the resurrection and the life, the sinless Savior who became a curse for his people so that the curse could be lifted from their heads and so that they could pass from death to life. Beloved, there is hope. Jesus is alive. The grave could not hold him. Listen to the preaching of the eyewitnesses of the resurrection, the apostles. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. But being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath, David, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left, in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, 
of which we were all witnesses. And we read in Revelation 3 to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, write these things, says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. The Jesus who said, I am he who lives and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. The Bible tells us Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. He lives, and those who turn from sin and trust in him to save will live as well. Because I live, you also will live. In John 11, Jesus provided a great picture of the great resurrection in the resuscitation of his friend Lazarus, who had died. Jesus, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Lazarus, come out. Just before that, Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Our minds can be taken up with many things. And that's not always wrong. You can be sitting here this morning and saying, but I want to think about this. I want the answer to that. And again, those things may not be wrong. But I'll tell you, when I sat with a family in their home this week, around the body of a wife and a mother, there was not another thing in the world that they wanted to hear but this. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? If you've never been brought to that place, you need to come to that place while you're still alive. Where you come face to face with death and with your own death and your own mortality and your own sin and the judgment of God. And by God's grace that you look to Jesus Christ and you acknowledge that he is the resurrection and the life. Jesus said not, just not, do you believe in the resurrection? Jesus said, but do you believe in me? Do you believe in me? There are many funerals that I go to that that go to one extreme or the other. Some funerals that I have attended are occasions where there is no hope. They gather around a coffin and there is no life, no joy, only inextinguishable, inconsolable sorrow. 
people need to hear about hope in Christ. But other funerals that I go to, and I think this is probably the majority, more than the other case, give a blanket hope. I'm not talking about funerals in the church, but just in the world. They give a blanket hope, sometimes in the church. A blanket encouragement for anyone and everyone who attends. They proclaim salvation by death. Just because someone has died, they must be in heaven. But friends, the Bible, which alone holds out true hope in Christ, extends that hope only in Christ. The Bible tells us that all people will be raised on the last great day. Those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt, Daniel 12, 2. The Bible says that many will be raised at the resurrection to face Jesus as their judge, but not their savior. You see, for them too, in that sense, the stone will be rolled away. But like the five kings in Joshua 10, hiding in the cave, the stone is rolled away before their death. Everyone will have an eternal existence. You will, I will. But for those outside of Christ, the eternal existence that will be theirs will be an eternal dying, the second and eternal death. Are you looking to the once crucified, now raised Jesus as your Savior and your hope this morning? And if not, why not? Why not? Well, the Bible tells us why not. Because there is another great stone that lies in man's existence, the great stone of an unbelieving, rebellious heart toward God. And here, too, is a stone that no man can roll away. Only God in his mercy and grace can remove the heart of stone and give a heart of flesh, a believing, repentant heart, tender and loving and trusting and worshipful toward Jesus Christ. Has the stone of your old heart been rolled away? How's your heart this morning? I'm not asking if you believe that Jesus is alive. I hope you do because it's true. I'm not asking if you believe that all men will be raised at the last great day. Those things are true. Whether you believe them or not, they're true. But it's possible to believe those things and still not know Jesus in a saving way. The best way to ask whether you will have life eternal in heaven is to ask whether you have spiritual life in Christ today. Are you looking to Christ as your only hope? Are you turning from sin? Beloved, that's a gift only God can give, but God does give it. That's why there's hope. That's why we can pray for those whom we love, who we know are outside of Christ. But I'm asking you this morning, as I need to ask myself, how is your heart? I'm not asking if you know everything, or even if you know a lot. But I'm asking if you know Jesus. Are you living a life that trusts him? as your Savior and Lord. I'm not asking if you're perfect. Not one of us is. 
but are you living a life after holiness, a life that wants to honor God first? Beloved, if your heart is stony toward God this morning, acknowledge your sin and helplessness before God, your creator, and ask God to be merciful to you. Come to Jesus, the risen Savior, because he promised that no one who comes to him would he ever, ever turn away. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my decrees and you will keep my laws and do them. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. The rolled away stone testifies to it. Do you believe this? And let me just add, you know, even as believers, we can be stony. We can be hard-hearted. We can be cold-hearted toward Christ. We can be hard and harsh to each other. Is there some issue in your heart and life this morning that needs to be rolled away? Is there a hardness that has rolled back into your life this morning that needs to be rolled away? Take time, even now, as we close, to ask God for Christ's sake to roll it away. We've heard about a great stone, and we've contemplated a great question. But may our eyes ever be fixed on an even greater answer. Jesus is risen. He's risen indeed.